0: Ball out, eight inning, ten three. Faces are loaded for Verlander, who waits on the real finish. He swings, and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone! Home run! And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already.
1: Everybody, welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We are live here on Thursday afternoon. We have a lot to talk about. Last episode of the week for Flippin' Bats, so we got a lot to get to. Um, Topics from around the league, series to watch this weekend. There are some phenomenal series to watch this weekend. Of course, my team of the week I will be selecting today. Some fan questions. A lot to get to today, but we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. I love this last episode of the week. And we got a lot to catch you up on. Producer Conrad is out here joining me today. Producer Conrad, last one of the week, my friend. Let's have some fun.
2: Yeah, let's have some fun. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to start with someone that didn't have a lot of fun today on the mound. (laughs) Shohei Otani in New York today.
1: Yeah, you know, I was was watching this earlier today. Shohei had the early start time in, in New York against the Yankees. And, you know, if you remember his last start in the Bronx didn't go well. He didn't get out of the first inning, uh, gave up a bunch of runs, and it just didn't go well. Today was his first start back in the Bronx against the Yankees since that start last year. This time he threw three innings and gave up eight hits, four and runs. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty again in, in New York City. And You know, the good news here is is last time Shohei bounced back beautifully from from facing the Yankees and not going well. And it propelled him into the rest of his year. But I'm hopeful it happens again. But look, let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. Today's start didn't go well. And that's now a couple starts in a row that Shohei hasn't thrown great. But here's what I tweeted today. And this is a lot of what I wanted to talk about. I think the Yankees might have something on Shohei Otani. Shohei has the highest chase percentage of any pitcher. Today, they aren't budging or swinging and missing at much. This isn't a Yankees are cheating accusation. The Yankees may have picked up something that Shohei is tipping. Now, yes, Shohei was not sharp today. That's a fact. He wasn't sharp. But we have seen him throughout this season not have his best stuff and end up figuring it out and going six innings and giving up two earned runs and still striking out a lot of guys. You know why? Because he has the elite stuff that he does. He throws 101 with a nasty splitter and a wipeout slider. That's good enough to get guys out even when you aren't pinpointing pitching pitches. Now, this is what I want to talk about. The New York Yankees are one of the best offenses in the game of baseball. No doubt about that in my mind. I just think that they have something on Shohei. Yes, he wasn't super sharp today. Also true, he has the highest chase percentage of any pitcher in all of Major League Baseball, and today he only got three swings and misses on 42 swings. Now, Yes, maybe it wasn't pinpoint accuracy, but Shohei was out there throwing a hundred miles an hour. I don't care if it's in a perfect location. If somebody's throwing a hundred, you're going to see more swings and misses than just three out of 42 swings. That's just a fact. Offenses work tirelessly on trying to get an edge on pitchers, trying to figure out if they can, if they can see anything. ...that a pitcher is doing to tip pitches. Now let's walk through this, because I play professional baseball... ...and we would have hours worth of looking at video of starting pitchers... ...and trying to pick up on something that they would do. This is just a fact. The majority of Major League Baseball pitchers are still tipping pitches. They just don't know they're doing it. So people hear, oh, somebody says he's tipping, oh, no way. The majority of the time it actually is happening... Okay, So, yes, teams hit really well against certain pitchers. That's true. Sometimes hitters just fare well against pitchers. Sometimes they see the ball well out of guys' hands, and next thing you know, that pitcher struggles against teams. But also true, sometimes teams just have something on a pitcher. And I was watching today, and Shohei could throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone, not getting swung at. A slider that wipes away out into the dirt, not even a budge, not even a little bit of a swing. That right there, when you're watching any game, is a telltale sign that maybe they have something. So the things you look for when we would prep for pitchers, it can be anything. Sometimes pitchers flare their glove open when they go to switch to off speed. Sometimes their facial expressions. Sometimes how high they lift their leg. Sometimes whether they're sticking their tongue out at at a certain point or not. There are a million different telltale signs that you can pick up from a pitcher and the pitcher doesn't even realize that he's doing it or else he'd fix it but it is absolutely a thing that happens often and I was watching that game Shohei Otani pitching in New York against the Yankees again that Yankees lineup is incredible they also weren't budging on a lot of pitches the first at bat of the game 11 pitches to Matt Carpenter that ended with a home run he seemed to be on everything, fouling off the tough pitches, then hitting the good one, the the good one to get a long, long way. So it is very much so a thing that happens in the game of baseball. And it's just something that I wanted to acknowledge and say that hey, maybe this is happening. And it's not a knock on anybody, it's not an accusation of of up oh, the Yankees are cheating. No, you know what it is? It's a compliment to the New York Yankees because they are the best. They they have a great lineup. They have a great pitching staff, and they are one of the best teams at picking up stuff from pitchers. And I just thought it looked like that again today in New York City. So Shohei needs to figure that out. He needs to figure it out. If it was happening, a way to figure out his telltale sign of what he's tipping.
2: Yeah, and you know, we're talking about tipping pitches here, but I think a big thing, a part of this too, would be the fatigue factor. Now, do you, do you think fatigue is starting to really kind of creep into this? I, I know it's one of those things that Joe Madden kind of talked about previously in the year, but it just seems like he's lately he has been pitching up to his capabilities.
1: Yeah, you know his last couple of starts haven't been great. The velocity is certainly still there. It's been you know the command that we saw from Shohei uh, in his dominant starts when he's when he's commanding his electric stuff. He's truly unhittable. When he's not commanding it great, he's still been adequate. He's still, like, his start against the Blue Jays wasn't terrible. He gave up a couple of long balls, but he was still able to get some outs. Now, today, it just looked a little bit different, but he was still throwing 101 miles an hour. But just the at bats that guys were having off of him, um, it started with the Matt Carpenter at bat and some other at bats where he, when he would throw pitches in a great location, guys weren't budging. And take it from me firsthand, when a guy is throwing 100 miles an hour and then throws you a slider, and you can just take it looking like this and not even budging, typically you have something on a guy. And that's kudos to the lineup, the coaching staff, to somebody for figuring that telltale sign out. Now, I will also say, yes, he hasn't been as sharp as he could be lately. He just hasn't. So whether that's fatigue, and I think there was Joe Madden came out recently and said, yeah, Shohei, is, you know, we might give him a day, uh, day of rest here at some point. or And, and you know Shohei. He's not going to want to come out of the lineup. He's going to want to keep doing his thing. And he's still out there throwing 101 miles an hour. But a lot of times when there is fatigue that steps in, it is you know it is command that starts to go first. But his stuff still looks good. I, I feel fine that he's going to turn this around. And last time we saw him in New York against the Yankees, he turned it around and had an incredible Rest of the year on the mound, and I have no doubts he's going to do that. Shohei has an innate ability to have a tough start. Look in the mirror, fix it, and go out and do great in his next start.
2: I know it's amazing, and it's what makes Shohei Otani Shohei Otani. Where he pitches and hits in the same day. Do you think that to get back on the right track, that it would maybe help Otani if he just had to focus for one single day on just pitching? Out of the lineup, just focusing on pitching during his starts for a little while.
1: I, I truly don't believe so, and and the reason I say that is because that's what they tried earlier in his career, but it was more to to save, you know, to protect him against getting injured. But we saw it last year when he was able to start doing this; he thrives. This is what he should be doing. He loves playing like this. He loves pitching and he loves hitting at the same time and he has proven that he's good enough to keep doing it. So I don't think like taking him out of the lineup one day when he's pitching and just allowing him to focus on pitching is the answer because he's proven that he can do he's proven that he can do this. So I just don't see a world in which that would that would be the case. I think that would more so be a, a sign of like, hey, you're struggling. Let's let's allow you to do this. I don't think he wants that. I don't think he wants that. I don't think he needs that, and and I think he's going to be just fine. Look, some the Yankees have something on him, and, and if they don't, then he has just struggled a couple times in New York against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. But guess what? He's going to go on a tear from here. I truly believe that.
2: Yeah, great. I mean, that's one thing we've always come to expect from Otani. Whenever we think he's going to hit a slump or a little bad part of his season, he comes right back even stronger. But let's move on to the Philadelphia Phillies and – They've been slumping pretty bad. I think they're 3-7 in their last 10. What's going on with Philadelphia?
1: Well, there's a lot going on. And uh, this Phillies team that is very talented hasn't won a series since the beginning of May against the Dodgers. Now, I was high on this Phillies team and, and still believe they have a great roster and an ability to be a playoff team. It had been a struggle to start the year. Then you see them go into Dodger Stadium and take three of four, an out or two away from a sweep at Dodger Stadium, and you think, oh boy, here's the Phillies. This is the Phillies team that went out and acquired guys in the offseason, got Schwarber, got Castellanos. Now they're going to turn it on, and we're going to see how good they really are. And we haven't seen that. They've continued to struggle after that series, have not won a series since then, their win against the Giants the other night snapped a five game losing streak. They're eleven and fifteen at home. That's the fourth worst win percentage at home in all of baseball. This is just this is a struggle for a Phillies team that, quite honest with you, needs to be better. They've had issues all over the field. This offense that's supposed to be elite hasn't been very elite. The bullpen has been atrocious, the defense has been awful, and that's not a setup for success. When you looked at this team at the beginning of the year, you thought, okay, they're going to pitch it okay, their defense isn't going to be great, but they're going to out-hit everyone. And the truth of the matter is, they haven't done that. They haven't out-hit everyone. It's actually been pretty middle-of-the-pack for an offense that's supposed to be one of the best in baseball. They're 11th in all of baseball in runs per game. They're 11th in team batting average at .245. They're 17th in on-base percentage and tied for 18th in walks drawn. And the Phillies batters have struck out 457 times. That's the fifth most in all of baseball. Think about that. This offense is supposed to be what carried this team. You can make up for adequate pitching and below average defense by being a top three offense in the game of baseball. You can put up runs in bunches and be fine. But what you can't be is a middle-of-the-pack offense, a bad bullpen, and an awful defense. That's not a recipe for any success, and that's what's going on in Philly. That's what's going on there. They are the worst defense in all of baseball. Dead last. So yeah, middle of the pack offense, a bad bullpen that has given up a lot of runs lately. You know, they've been in a lot of games of late. Over the course of the past week, I feel like I've watched Corey Knebel blow Five saves. Now that's not an accurate number, but that's what it feels like. I tune in. The Phillies finally get a big late lead. And guess what? Oh, Canable gives up a homer in the ninth inning to Nick Plummer, his first big league homer. And then the next day, Corey Canable blows another save. And look, I don't understand how you can go out. You can. Do what they did this offseason. Add Cassianos, add Schwarber to a team that is talented, that has Bryce Harper, that has a rotation that is serviceable. Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, some other names in there can be really good as well. But they're not not—they're not a bad pitching rotation. But you go out and add Corey Knebel, who can be a good arm in the bullpen, but is he that closer? Is he that lockdown closer? And you add Brad Hand, who teams have just been... Getting rid of because he's not doing well at all? That's your answer? And I know lockdown closers aren't easy to come by or cheap to come by. But you're going to build your team and say you're ready to win. And really not even try. I didn't hear their name involved in Kenley Jansen at all. Who was a big closer guy on the market. I didn't hear their name involved there. So it's just the way this team has been built. It is good enough to win, but they have to hit better than everybody else. That's how the Phillies win. They're a top three offense. They're a middle-of-the-pack pitching staff, and they're a slightly below-average defense. Not the worst defense in baseball, a bad bullpen, and a middle-of-the-pack offense. That ain't going to cut it, and it's not cutting it at all right now in Philly.
2: Yeah, they've been having, obviously – a major slump as of late I mean when you're playing that bad of defense we saw some of the plays up there while you were talking about it I mean it's just it's been atrocious for them you know especially in the late innings yeah. what what percentage would you put do you have any faith that this Phillies team can turn it around and still make a chance at making the postseason
1: I, I do now we're a third of the way through the season right around a third of the way we're not quite there yet um so it's still early now I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say they win the NL East. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but there's now an extra wildcard team this year, so three are going to get in. You have to believe at least one comes from the NL West. Most likely two are going to come from the NL West. So there's a third one up for grabs. You know, uh, is it going to be the Cardinals? Is it going to be the Braves? Is it going to be the Mets? Could the, Could one of those teams take over the Mets? Is it going to be the Giants, the Padres? Those teams are kind of all in a similar in a similar boat for me. You know, I think the I think the Dodgers are going to win the NL West, but there's there is an extra wild card spot, and the Phillies I think are talented enough to play well and to put themselves in that conversation. I truly believe that. Um, and and to talk a little bit more about this. I want to bring in a friend and, and a colleague and a writer for us that talks a lot of NL East, and let's bring him in now, Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, what's up, my friend?
0: Oh, it's great to see you, Ben. Happy to happy to be joining you and talking about the mysterious uh, madness that is the Philadelphia Phillies.
1: Yes, that is honestly the entire NL East, right? I mean, it's all yes. a bunch of madness. But let's, let's start with the Phillies, because that's what I've been on a rant about for the past 10 minutes because to be quite honest with you I, I am a little frustrated with this team i am frustrated with the phillies and i believe they are good enough to be on the cusp of being a playoff team what is wrong in your opinion with the phillies
0: yeah I, it's it is indeed very 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 frustrating to watch and i think when you look at their offseason, you see the decisions that they made which is to kind of punt on defense and decide hey we're just going to outscore teams, right? We're going to sort of address the bullpen with Canable and Brad hand who have been not great, but have been okay. But the thing is, if you're going to, if you're going to say, all right, defense is whatever. We're just going to slug. You better be slugging like crazy. And while yeah. those hitters have been okay, you you need more than just okay or just good, right? And we've seen spurts right. of Schwarber, have seen spurts of Castellanos. It has not been nearly enough. If that's how you're going to build your team, you better be one of the best offenses in baseball, bar none. And they have not been that, and we know the defense is troublesome. And then the bullpen has just still not been addressed. They've, I guess they have technically addressed it, but because it's the Phillies, it just hasn't really worked out <laughs> in ways right. uh, that, that I'm sure they expected
1: exactly like you said if if this team wants to be good they can't be a they can't even be a good offense they need to be an elite offense and they haven't been that let's let's talk about this bullpen a little bit um what are the answers here is there anybody in the minor leagues coming up are there any prospects do they need to trade for somebody or do you just try and hope they figure it out what would you do and what are they like what are they thinking
0: yeah, it's it's a good question. And and you know, Dombrowski has had sort of a mixed track record of of figuring these bullpen's out. And again, when you look <laughs> at the two, well, I guess you could say three, right? Because they, they brought in Familia too. I mean, these are these are famous relievers, but all of them are pretty considerably past their prime. Maybe Canable, the closest we have seen, have been really good. But Canable, Familia, Brad Hand. And they haven't been catastrophic if you just look at the ERAs. But when you see them not being completely shut down and you see Jose Alvarado has really been you know, a real disappointment when you were expecting him to be one of the big four, yeah, mm-hmm. it's tough. Now, I will say, Sir Anthony Dominguez is the one to watch, and he's a guy who had been okay. out with Tommy John. He came back this year. I remember seeing him in spring training and thinking, this dude could be a closer. Now, he's not nearly as established as those, as those other three guys, but I wouldn't be sho- like, shocked if you know Knable continues to struggle that maybe Dominguez goes into that uh closer role but again Girardi he's obviously going to like his veterans right and so I think he's going to ride with those guys as long as he can until it's completely untenable which which might be you know until it's too late but we'll see I do like Sir Anthony Dominguez though I had to shout him out so you just mentioned
1: Girardi and and I was just thinking about this here is it out of the realm of possibility that Girardi is on the very very hot seat right now
0: yeah, I mean, if you look around at just the managers in baseball, and you you, you think about right, like who could be on the hot seat, you look at the teams that had high expectations or reasonably high expectations that are drastically underperforming, and yeah, I mean, he's he's near the top of that that discussion. Generally, I'm not one to almost ever think that the manager is the reason why a team is not uh, performing well. Um, right. I I I know managers can't have a big difference, although I, I do. I, I've always kind of subscribed to the theory that. Most of the managers are pretty similar, and then there's a couple, you know, super-duper elite ones, and then maybe a couple, like, really not-so-good ones, and then the rest are kind of similar. I still feel like Girardi's kind of somewhere in the middle, even with his reputation, and so I don't think he's the problem. However, managers usually are the fall guys, and so if he is the one that ends up having to go, it would not totally shock me. So what does –
1: what's going on? And I know you cover a lot of the NL East, and, and I'm sure you've talked to people that might know a little more than I do about this situation what is going on with Bryce Harper and his arm? And are we going to see Bryce Harper back out in the outfield at some point this year? Because this defense is dead last in baseball. And I'm not going to sit here and say Bryce Harper is an elite defender, but he can throw people out at the plate and he can be adequate out there. And he hasn't been out there in, in over a month to this point.
0: Right. Well, but to your to your point, we you just said is, one of his values on defense is his arm, which we know is an issue. Right. And so, I don't think I don't see any reason why they're going to necessarily rush him back out there if he doesn't have you know mm-hmm. the most impo- important defensive tool that he has. Is he better than Nick Castellanos under any circumstance? I think yes, but again, I think Harper's not the problem. Like even if he's DHing, he is mashing right. And so, as bad as his defense is, and and, and arguably even worse when you have Harper DHing. <laughs> they need him on the field. And if it's, if they're going to risk him, yeah. you know, getting more injured um, and, and, you know, out, take him out of the lineup, I don't think they're going to do that. So I'm not totally sure what the full plan is for him to come back, but yeah, I just feel like as long as he's hitting, that's the, that, that should be the least of your concerns whether he's playing right field or DH. So uh, they have a lot of other things they need to figure out first.
1: Yeah, I agree. So my last question for you, and I know I haven't, I haven't talked much about the Braves in this segment, but I'm going to just mention them for a second. Braves and Phillies, you cover all of the NL East. My question for you is are, are they looking at a wild card spot? Do they have the potential to still win the NL East or do you think the NL East is the Mets to take and and it's it's a done deal in the NL East?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, hey, don't never count out the Mets in, in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, but I would say that that uh, look, I am a believer in the Mets that they are the best team in the division. You were just talking about before I hopped on, right? Like even with that extra wild card spot, we know how crowded that is uh, with the NL West contenders and with teams like St. Louis uh, and Milwaukee. And I think that the Padres' hot start has really, really made that uh, even more interesting than we expected. I feel. Look, the Braves have also been really disappointing. I know they've dealt with some yeah, injuries, they but they have a lot to overcome as well. Uh, with with you know not as bad of, of a hole that they've dug for themselves the way that the Phillies have. So I yeah, I think they're both going to be fighting for that third wild card spot. It would not be it would not shock me if one of them does manage to work their way back into it. You know for the, down that last stretch, but I'm not sure I would bet on either of them to actually get it. If you made me pick today.
1: Yeah, I've been saying it a while this year. I, I don't believe this Mets team is going to Met, if you will. I think they are built differently. That could come back to bite me at some point. but I really And we're seeing it now, all the injuries, and they're still playing the best baseball in, in the league over the last couple of weeks. So, Jordan, thank you for hopping on with me for a few minutes. You're covering the NL East, and you're doing a great job at it. So I'll bring you back on whenever we're talking some NL East, my friend.
0: Appreciate it, man. Always good to see you, Ben.
1: You too, man. Yeah. Producer Conrad, the Phillies are um they're they're a disappointment to me and they were a team that that I believed in, but I will say those 3 wild card spots gives them the potential to if they can play well, they can still get there. This isn't season over what a failure of a year yet.
2: No, but you know, it's a great sample size. We're through a third of the season and you know, the way yeah. that the Phillies have been playing, the Braves have been playing, it's like there is a hope, but there definitely has to be some major changes for that hope to come true. You know, and the Phillies have been getting slapped around quite a bit lately, and let's go over to another major slap saga, and and Jock (laughs) Peterson and Tommy Pham. It just seems like it keeps going.
1: Well done, my friend. Do you have that one typed down in your notes? I wish. wish. Slapped around (laughs) Jock Peterson. That was good. Uh, Yeah, so a little update on this Jock Peterson-Tommy Pham situation. And I'll, I will start this update by saying the best baseball player on the planet has been inserted into this drama by Tommy Pham, who was suspended for three games for slapping Jock Peterson the other day over a fantasy football situation. I covered this um, pretty in depth on and on the Monday episode. So if you if you want to hear all about it, go back and listen to that first. But here's the update. Cause I had a lot of, I had a lot of questions here. Wait a second. Tommy Pham, who's never played with Jock Peterson, was in this league and they have a group chat and Tommy Pham took offense to Jock insulting the Padres. And it was like, who is in this league? How much money is on the line for somebody to be slapping somebody the first time they see them? What is going on? I have answers. Have no fear. Let's start with the buy-in. The buy-in for this fantasy football league, was $10,000. So, admittedly so, a lot of money. If somebody somebody messed with my money, if somebody messed with my $10,000, well, I probably wouldn't slap them because I'm a pacifist and don't believe in fighting, but hey, Tommy Pham decided to, to take actions into his own hands, quite literally. The commissioner of this league. Who was that? Well, we had no idea. It turns out it's Mike Trout. How is Mike Trout the commissioner of this fantasy football league with Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham? I have no idea. Who else is in this league? Manny Machado, which that kind of makes sense. There's the Padre connection. Eric Hosmer. Now we're getting a few Padres. Mike Moustakis. (laughs)
0: Like...
1: I don't really understand anything about this fantasy football league, but I promise you, I am here for all the drama. And Tommy Pham comes back from his suspension and basically throws Mike Trout into the fire and under the bus. That doesn't sound like a very... In a fire and under a bus. Not a fun place to be. But he basically insulted Mike Trout as a commissioner and said he's the worst commissioner of any league he's ever been in. He allowed a lot of stuff to go on that shouldn't have. Now, Trout had to answer to all of this in a press conference. And he, of course, reporters ended up asking him about this. Mike Trout declined to comment on whether Jock Peterson violated the rules of the Fantasy League. He said he is unsure if he'll resign as commissioner for this coming season. And he said, quote, Every commissioner I know gets booed. This story is just madness. And I love it. guys are just like us. Everybody plays fantasy football. I say just like us. We don't all have $10,000 buy-ins. But the, the passion, the energy, the frustration when you have somebody that you're playing against that you think does something wrong, it's all there. And this is just comical. After Tommy Fan spoke tonight, I now believe this whole fantasy thing with Jock Peterson is now completely Commissioner Mike Trout's fault. He could have solved this easy, and now it's the most controversial thing Trout's ever been involved in. That was a great tweet. This situation producer conrad i think we can under we we of anybody can understand this. we get into it sometimes we're competitive i think everybody can appreciate that you have these major league baseball players that play on the top stage in all of the world in front of millions and at the end of the day they're worried about their fantasy football team and throwing the commissioner that had nothing to do with it in the moment throwing him under the bus and making this a big deal
2: yeah, totally. You know, if I wasn't winning our fantasy football league all year, I would have thrown you under the bus after week two or three. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's just fantasy football just kind of takes over life for a solid three or four months. And when you're putting 10000 on it, what I don't understand, though, is Tommy Fam saying, hey, man, you messed with my money. That's why I hit you. Well, Tommy Fam, you cost yourself $111,000 on the back end. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. I hope that slap was worth it because y- you might have lost – your 10,000 which he dropped out of the league by the way let's let's not forget that so let's John-ish say behavior. that that let's say that one move that he's so pissed off about cost him the week he still dropped out which means his team wasn't very good to begin with so this all to me sounds like a cop out and his team just wasn't very good and he's taking it out on everybody else when his draft must have just sucked that's my opinion
2: yeah, well, you know, and you know, along the lines of everything, I, I kind of do feel bad for Tommy Fan because now no one is ever going to invite him to play fantasy football ever again. The rest of his <laughs> life, he will never get to know the joy of hosting a fantasy football championship. And that has to hurt. It has to hurt. Yeah. But let's move on to a whole other subject. And you know, We have to give love to certain players that are just playing just tremendous baseball. And one of those guys right now is Jose Ramirez, just consistently all year playing such an elite level.
1: Yeah, you know, that's kind of what I like to do on this show is give love and kudos to teams or people that deserve it, that aren't getting talked about. And Jose Ramirez and what he has been doing deserves to be talked about A million times more than anybody has been talking about it. Jose Ramirez is one of the best players in all of baseball. He's hitting .292, entering Thursday with 13 home runs, and get this, 52 RBIs. We are not even a third of the way through the season, and he has 52 RBIs. Now, I might not be... Albert Einstein, but I can tell you that he's on pace for over 150 RBIs. That's remarkable. He's reached 50 RBIs in only 44 games. He's the second fastest Guardians player in history to reach that mark. Manny Ramirez was the only one to do it faster. He's had 10 games with three or more RBIs in his first 44 He's the fastest player that has reached 10 3-RBI games since 1940. Jimmy Fox. 1940. It's been remarkable what he is doing. And you might be thinking, and if you're not, I'm going to make you think it, the Guardians aren't very good. He has 52 RBIs on a team that isn't very good. He has a quarter of his entire team's RBIs. He's driven in 24.5% of their 212 total runs scored. That is mind-blowing. He is putting up MVP-like numbers, and the reason he isn't getting talked about enough is, is because he's on a team in Cleveland that just isn't very good, and they're not the New York Yankees, and they're not a team that plays in L.A., and they're not one of the massive market teams. But he deserves more credit for what he has been doing. It has been remarkable from both sides of the plate. The guy is just raking. He's tied for first in all of Major League Baseball and triples. He's first in, in the American League. He's first in all of baseball and RBIs, and nobody else is even particularly close. He's fourth in home runs, and he's third in slugging percentage. It's time to put the respect on Jose Ramirez's name that he deserves. Because he deserves way more to this point. He has been elite, and you know what? I don't care if nobody else is going to talk about him. I'm going to do it here on this show. Jose Ramirez, a force to be reckoned with and a potential MVP.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing I love about people like Jose Ramirez and players like Jose Ramirez is, is like even when he signed that extension in Cleveland and everybody's like wow, I feel like that kind of got a discount on him. Like, I think it was like 125 million or something like that and his first quote was 125 million in Cleveland is like 300 million in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, the guy just gets that's, it. And I'm 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 from that's that a area. Good point. As well. I mean, he he took a pay cut, but at the same time, like he's playing in front of a fan base that really is passionate. Cleveland fans love baseball. They love going to the games, and he's actually giving them something to root for. So for that, I'll always show major love to Jose Ramirez.
1: Yeah, he also, one, that is a good point, and, and it's a big factor in a lot of guys signing. And, you know, I've heard it firsthand from many people. You know, Team A could be offering – 100 million dollars and team B could be offering 75 million dollars and it's like well this is a no-brainer no depending on the state that you're playing in you could be playing in Florida or Texas or other areas that are tax-friendly or you could be playing in California or Toronto, areas like that, which you're going to have to pay more to get guys because the tax situation is is real. He also mentioned just how much he wants to stay in Cleveland and how much he loves playing there and that fan base. And I would think as a fan of that team, that goes a long way. You have your star and he's on top of the world on a team that's not necessarily great right now, but he has shown and proven by staying that he wants to be there. He's going to tough it out with his team. This is going to be His team, and when they are struggling, it's going to be his team to get them through it. And when they're on top of the world, he's going to be right there, and he's going to be the reason why, or one of the reasons why, they are so good.
2: Absolutely. You know, I I definitely think he's going to finish top three MVP this year. So I I hope he keeps going, and I hope the Guardians have a lot of success in the future with him. Uh, Let's move on, though, to weekend series to watch. A lot of really good baseball. Let's start with uh, the Angels and Phillies.
1: Yeah, I got four This week there's four series that you just can't miss first up being angels at the Phillies. That's going to be a good one one. These are two exciting teams no matter how their current state of playing is they're both good teams. Uh, The Phillies are really talented. They can put up runs in bunches. The angels are still above 500 even going on this long skid they've gone on. They are good. We know they're exciting. Uh, It's going to be the Fox game. It's going to be on Fox this weekend. John Smoltz will be on the call. So I'm really excited, and I got to have a conversation with him that we're going to air Saturday about the preview for this series. Um, But to me, that's the first one that jumps out, Angels at Phillies. The next one, next one up, this might be the most exciting for me. When I look at this weekend, there is one series that you cannot miss, and it is the Mets at the Dodgers. The two best teams in the National League, Going mano-e-mano mono in L.A. The Mets have been really good. They don't have their stud pitchers healthy right now, DeGrom and Scherzer. But they've still been playing better than anybody else in baseball over the course of the last week or so. Dodgers are coming off of a sweep, getting swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, that you know, obviously, you shouldn't be getting swept by the Pirates. Plain and simple. There's no room for that, even on the even on a stretch of playing 31 games in 30 days or whatever they're going through. The Dodgers shouldn't be getting swept by the Pirates, but they're clearly a better team than that. They are one of the best teams in all of baseball, if not the best team in all of baseball, and now we're getting the Mets at the Dodgers. What a series that's going to be. I'm pumped, and I might even try and get out to one of those games, even though it takes me like two hours to go two miles and get to Dodger Stadium. It's a nightmare, but that might be worth it. Another one twins at blue jays this is exciting for me because twins are playing much better this year they've been the best team in the al central with nobody predicted and the blue jays are starting to turn it around they've won a bunch of games in a row they're hitting like we all thought they could their pitching has been much better so i'm excited to see this how real are the twins well we're going to find out because they're going on the road to toronto not an easy place to play and they're going to take on a team that is surging right now in the Toronto Blue Jays. Lastly for me, in the last series, you got to tune in to Padres at the Brewers. Padres are a surprise team so far this year. Not that they weren't expected to be good. Um, they've just been really good. And this Brewers team, we know they're the best team in the NL Central right now. They have a great rotation, which has a little concern right now. A bunch of those guys are out. But these are two really good teams going at it. Two teams that... Uh, should be and are on pace to be playoff teams, so uh, I'm excited about this series. Those are four to watch. That's a lot of a lot of teams. Those are eight teams that you got to watch this weekend. There's a lot of good baseball. Producer Conrad. Yeah, there's a
2: lot of good baseball going on this weekend, and there's also about to be a lot of good trivia going on right now. You ready?
1: Oh baby, it is trivia time. Last couple of weeks we've started doing this. It's one of my favorite segments already because. I I do I think I graded myself an A last week and a B the week before. So, you know, things are off
2: to a good start. can only go down from here, right?
1: <laughs> right. All right, let's get to it.
2: All right, first question. Mookie Betts hit 11 home runs in May. Who has the record for the month of May home runs all time?
1: <laughs> the record in May most homers of all time really think about um i am really thinking about it um babe ruth
2: Ooh, close barry bonds barry bonds can you imagine 17 home runs in a year i I wish i would have been able to like really realize in
1: a year yes in a month no no
2: (laughs) all right next up Which pitcher led MLB in wins and strikeouts from 2010 to 2019? So the whole decade of 2010s, basically.
1: What pitcher led all of baseball in wins?
2: And strikeouts.
1: Wins and strikeouts? Okay, I'm gonna take Clayton Kershaw.
2: Oh, Max Scherzer.
1: No! No!
2: And your brother, okay. your, your brother was like literally like one win and like two strikeouts behind him for the entire
1: decade. <laughs> I almost went with him, but he was an answer to last week's trivia question, and I didn't think you'd do that back to back. But oh. I'm playing myself here. I'm 0 for two, sitting at a solid B plus right now. Let's
2: go. <laughs> All right, which player took the most walks over the previous two seasons?
1: Most walked over previous two. Is this including this year or the two prior? Two prior. Um, Juan Soto.
2: There we go. That one's right.
1: Let's go. Up to an A minus.
2: All right. One and two. Okay. All right. Question number four Which two divisions are tied for the best total record in baseball? And this is obviously coming into today.
1: Okay. The NL West. And the NL West,
2: AL East. Correct, dude.
1: Great job. Woo! Let's go.
2: The Blue Jays Let's and go. Red Sox win a bunch of games. that certainly helped for the uh, AL Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone with that had it not been for the last week or so. Blue Jays and Red Sox have both been playing better.
2: Yeah. They're both tied at 138 and 113. Next question. Okay. Which team has allowed the least amount of runs this season? Obviously, coming into today.
1: Houston Astros.
2: The New York Yankees.
1: No! Mm-hmm.
2: Surprising. They, they they play in that Little League ballpark, but still, the least amount of runs in baseball. Something has to be Okay. Get, right? how, many
1: more? how many more do we have? Two. Alright, I'm sitting. I'm two for... 4 or 5?
2: Something like that. We'll go with that.
1: All right, we have two more and then I'll give myself my grade as I usually do.
2: Entering today, who has the longest current hit streak in baseball?
1: Entering today, longest current hit streak, Ty France.
2: <laughs> I don't I think Ty France is like has like the eighth longest right now. Trey Turner, 24 game hit streak. How crazy is that?
1: Wait. I I knew Trey Turner was got over 20. I thought he didn't get a hit the other day. I oh, thought that it. ended.
2: Got a hit last night. He's at 24.
1: Okay. I need this one. I need this one bad. The music in my ear gets like really intimidating. It speeds up. This is nerve-wracking.
2: All right, final question. Which pitcher has the most quality starts in MLB this season?
1: Most quality starts in Major League Baseball? this season oh my god it's got to be either like justin or nestor i'm gonna go i'm gonna go nestor cortez because he did it today
2: joe musgrove with nine
1: no it was neither of them <laughs> oh no okay joe musgrove at nine that's a lot of quality
2: he's been starts, he's a lot of quality okay. starts
1: so let's see. I got 2 right. Those were some tough ones, some tough questions. You have to add that into the scale. Back in the back in my day, teachers used to do a little bell curve, you know, if if the class needed it because the questions were a little harder and the grades weren't as they expected. So these were harder questions, so I'm going to boost my grade up a little bit. I got 2 right out of like 6 or 7. So that's a percentage of 333. That's Hall of Fame batting average. I'm going to go I'm gonna give myself a B minus for this week a B minus.
2: All right That's yeah all yeah yeah okay yeah we'll go, we'll go with B minus B minus two for two for five, two and five. All right. now another thing that we're going to do this week is we're going to start going head to head on pick to clicks.
1: Yeah, you which I was right by the way, last week. Um, yeah I'll, so last week it was Juan Soto will hit a home run. That happened pretty early on. He was on a homerless streak. He got it done. I got my pick-to-click right. I improved my record, but I was really only playing against myself. So what we're going to start doing is I'm going to come up with a pick-to-click. Producer Conrad is going to come up with a pick-to-click. And we're just going to debate about it and then debate about it some more the next week. And I like a good debate, and this is a good way to do it. So, Producer Conrad, do you want me to say mine first, or would you like to say yours first this week?
2: You're on the t box. I'll, I'll I'll let you take it first here.
1: Okay, my pick to click this week is that Shohei Otani and Mike Trout both hit a home run this week. Otani and Trout homer this week. That's my pick to click. Producer Conrad, welcome to the pick to click segment, my friend. What are you going with your first week?
2: The My original pick to click, I was just going to say... Ben's not going to get his pick-to-click right. But, you know, I actually wanted it to be baseball-centric. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Julio okay. Rodriguez. I- I'm, I'm going to stick with the J-Rod show. He gets a home run and a stolen bases uh, this week. Still leads Major League Baseball and stolen bases. And if it wasn't for that left wall in Baltimore, he would have had a home run two nights ago. So I'm going to stick with J-Rod. Okay. Julio Rodriguez, home so run, I- stolen base.
1: I-, I do have the ability, if need be, to just deep you know, veto his pick to click and say, it's not hard enough. I'm not going to do that here, but I will say I have predicted two players to hit a home run. You're predicting one and also to get a stolen base, which he gets multiple a week anyway. So, you know, I- I'll let it slide. Um, But I-, I think mine is a little bit harder, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. yeah, You're, we'll you're yeah, no,
2: you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Let's take the two best players in baseball and they're both going to hit home runs. That's a lot harder than a rookie hitting a home run and getting a stolen base. Right.
1: It is, but okay. we'll, we'll debate next week. We'll come back to it. That's going to that's gonna be what makes this fun. Um, but let's keep this rolling. Let's what, do it. what do you got for me next, Producer Conrad? Where you know we what? We
2: were trying to think of really good top fives we haven't touched on yet. Let's do a little top five switch hitters in 2022. Oh,
1: uh, yes, 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 yes. Top five switch hitters in 2022. And we're going to start with number five, Anthony Rendon. <laughs> that's right. Anthony Rendon, one for one from the left side of the plate with an absolute tank off of Brett Phillips, and I watched it live in person, and you can't find anything more electric than what he did that night. Well, you could a few innings later, the the no-hitter was complete. But at the moment, that home run was the coolest thing of the night. It was remarkable. Just think about it. A guy that has never taken an at-bat from the left side of the plate in Major League Baseball did it one time, and he hit a home run remarkable absolutely remarkable so at number 5 on this list anthony rendon moving on to the number 4 spot top switch hitter in major league baseball in 2022 tommy edman switch hitter for the cardinals has been playing great this year he's been playing really well and they've needed him at the top of that lineup to be more than, you know, Nolan Arenado kind of carried that lineup at the beginning of the year. Then it turned into Paul Goldschmidt to have a guy like Tommy Edmond, who's been at the top of the lineup, switch hitting, getting on base, hitting around 260, few homers, um, 20-some RBIs. Tommy Edmond has been good for the Cardinals this year, and he's at number four on this list. Moving on to Josh Bell at number three. Josh Bell, under the radar in Washington, has been playing great this year. Around 300 and from both sides of the plate. Obviously, this is a switch hitter list, but if you recall, Josh Bell last year got off to a sluggish start at the plate. It was really bad, then turned it around. This year, he's playing really good baseball and it's under the radar because it's in DC for the Nats and they're not very good, but Josh Bell has been a force at the plate this year. When you think of Nationals, you think, obviously, Juan Soto. You think about the big bat of Nelson Cruz. But Josh Bell has been great. And he's a guy to keep an eye on when it comes time for the trade deadline. He's a a very interesting guy. A very interesting name to keep in mind as a potential. Moving on to number two on this list for the New York Mets, Francisco Lindor. Lindor has been playing so much better this year than last year he's on pace for well over 100 rbis he's hitting homers from both sides of the plate he's got the best smile in baseball it's been really good there this year for him and i'm excited for francisco lindor last year was tough to watch um he's a really good baseball player he's one of the best shortstops in the game of baseball he was so good for the guardians well he was you know the former indians he was fantastic for them Ends up signing the massive deal in New York, and it was a letdown. And you know he felt bad about it. The fans were disappointed. To see what he's doing this year in Queens has been a lot of fun. That leaves the number one slot on this list of top five switch hitters in Major League Baseball this year. And Jose Ramirez is without a doubt, hands down, the easy, easy answer. He has 52 RBIs. He's on pace for over 150 RBIs on a team that isn't great. He has a quarter, a quarter of the RBIs for this team. They have scored 240-some runs this year. Jose Ramirez has driven in a quarter of those. He's leading baseball in a lot of categories, and by a good bit, leading in RBIs. He's doing it from both sides of the plate. He is for sure in that MVP category. So my top switch hitter in Major League Baseball in 2022 is Jose Ramirez. So that rounds out this list. Number five, Anthony Rendon. Four, Tommy Edmond. Three, Josh Bell. Two, Francisco Lindor. And number one is Jose Ramirez. Where are we going next, my friend? Is it team of the week time?
2: It's team of the week time. Let's go do it.
1: Oh, baby. One of my favorites. This is quickly becoming a favorite segment just because it allows me to highlight a lot of guys that wouldn't normally get highlighted over the course of a month or the year. But speaking of that, let's start with a guy at the catcher position that is a perfect example of this. Alejandro Kirk has been great for the Blue Jays over the course of the last week. Four two homers. Six RBIs out of the catcher spot. He's been getting clutch knocks as well. So my catcher on this week's Team of the Week is Alejandro Kirk. Moving on over to first base, friend of the podcast. He's, abs- he's actually this week's guest. Wednesday's guest episode had this first baseman, Ty France. My first baseman on the Team of the Week. Now I will admit, this was a difficult decision. Paul Goldschmidt has been killing it as well. So this was a tough decision for me. But how do you not go with a guy that's batting 579 in a week with a homer of 1.356 OPS and five RBIs, and it doesn't hurt that I talked to him on Wednesday and had a conversation with him that everybody needs to listen to. We talked a lot about why he's so good at hitting, what he has learned from the late great Tony Gwynn, who was his coach. His head coach at San Diego State University and what he takes from him into his playing days now. It was pretty cool to hear. And he's at first base on my team of the week. Heading on over to second base, the rookie, Nolan Gorman, comes up and just immediately kills it for the Cardinals. Now, he's been out. He, he's going to miss. He's missed a couple of days. 500 on the week, two homers, six RBIs. Are you kidding me? As a rookie to come up and do that, he had a He had a game the other day with three hits. I mean, he is killing it. And he is one week in the big leagues, one week on my Team of the Week. Kudos to Nolan Gorman. The Cardinals got themselves a stud and a guy that's going to be important for that lineup if they want to be as good as they can be this year. Let's head on over to third base. My third baseman on this week's Team of the Week is Austin Riley. Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves started off a little bit sluggish. But he's been rolling lately. 3.45 over the week. Four homers and eight RBIs on the week. Ten times out of ten. That's most, not most likely, ten times out of ten. If you do that, you're going to end up on the team of the week. Austin Riley is a big piece for this Braves team that needs to get rolling. The Braves are too talented to be where they are right now. Austin Riley is going to be a big part of turning that around if they're going to. Let's head on over to shortstop. This week's shortstop team of the week, Kyle farmer what a stud this guy is 450 on the week a 1.400 OPS three homers on the week what a week that's a good week right there that's a good month honestly let's head on out to the outfield three outfielders no specific position so it's not a center fielder a left fielder a right fielder this is three outfielders we'll start with Mookie Betts again Mookie's been on this a few times now Three eighty seven, four more homers, an OPS of one point two eight. It's wild what is happening with Mookie Betts. Eleven homers in the month of May. Eleven in the month of May. That is wild. Mookie Betts is still rolling. The Dodgers are playing great baseball. He's first up. He's the first outfielder. Next up in the outfielder. In the outfield, we are going to go with Starling Marte. Marte, 385 on the week, two homers, seven RBIs. What a good story, you know. It hasn't been an easy run for Starling Marte of late in his life with people close to him passing away. He missed some time recently with his grandmother passing away. Comes back, hits a homer, and his first A.B. back and has continued to play well since then. A great pickup for the Mets. He's playing well. He takes up the second spot in the outfield. Last up in the outfield on Team of the Week, another New York Mets. Nick Plummer, 500 on the week, a 1.931 OPS. Two homers, had the massive homer, his first home run in the big leagues off of Corey Abel in the ninth inning the other day to tie up the game in a massive situation when they were down and out against the Phillies, about to lose that game, had another homer. He has come to the big leagues and immediately left an incredible Impression: Two guys on this list that don't have much service time at all. Nick Plummer, Nolan Gorman. What awesome weeks for those guys. That rounds out the outfield. Starling Marte, Nick Plummer, Mookie Betts. Heading on to the DH position. The designated hitter team of the week, Jordan Alvarez again. 4-17, two homers, six RBI. Had a massive bases clearing double the other day in Oakland um, to, to win that game to win that game for the Astros. Jordan Alvarez is going to be on this list of DH multiple times this year. He already has. This is just another appearance for him. He has been great. On the mound, two guys on the mound, starting pitcher and a closer. We're going to start with the starting pitcher, Martin Perez, 1-0, 14 innings, 0.64 ERA, 11 Ks. And I'm glad he's able to be on this list this week because I've, I've wanted to talk about him a few times. What he has done this year has been remarkable, and we haven't been talking about it enough. Everybody needs to be talking about what he has done. He has gone out and flirted with a no-hitter seemingly every start. He could have been on this team of the week two, three, four times now, but he's here this week, and he was fantastic again, and he is certainly in that conversation for AL Cy Young Award. Moving on to the closer spot, a guy that is going to be here a lot, Josh Hader, three saves on the week, zero earned runs, five Ks. You knew it was zero earned runs because he hasn't given up an earned run the entire season. There was a doubleheader the other day for the Brewers where he saved both games the day part of the doubleheader, the day game, and the night game. He saved both of them. Two saves in one day. He hasn't blown a save yet this year. He hasn't given up a run yet this year and he hasn't come in a game where he didn't get the save that's history it is historic the year he is having the consecutive outings while recording a save is the most of all time this year we mentioned how Perez should be and will be in the conversation for AL Cy Young this is a closer that is absolutely in the conversation for NL Cy Young and Josh Hader rounds out this week's team of the week. But as with every Thursday, I like to make it interactive. I like to have fun with this with this show. It's the last episode of the week. I like to get fans involved. Producer Conrad, do we have some fan questions for this week?
2: Oh boy, do we. We definitely have some fan <laughs> questions this week. Good. Let's start off. Should we be concerned over the Angels losing streak? Have they burnt out?
1: concerned yes burnt out no this team is talented you never want to go on stretches like this especially when you're in a division with the houston astros because they're not going anywhere and when you have stretches like this it pretty much puts you in a position to say okay we got to get a wild card spot the astros i've said all along even when the angels were winning this division the AOS, that the astros were going to win the AOS. i did believe that the angels were much improved and had a chance at a playoff spot. I still do believe that. So cause for concern, yes. The bullpen hasn't been good. They've been blowing a lot of games lately that are close games. Um, The offense has been hit or miss. They do have a lot of injuries that have piled up. So my answer to this question is concern, yes. Burnt out, no. The Angels will be fine. They're too talented not to be.
2: It helps they're playing the Phillies this weekend. Something has to give, right?
1: somebody's got to start winning.
2: All right. Next one. What is a team you consider quietly good as in not as talked about or compared to the louder teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Astros and the Mets.
1: Okay. So teams I consider quietly good, not the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros and Mets. Okay. You said a team. I'm going to give you a couple of teams. One being the Minnesota twins. They're leading the AL central. And a lot of people have said, well, the, Met, the the White Sox are going to win that division. They just haven't turned it on yet. Look, the Twins are really good. Joe Ryan at the top of that rotation has been fantastic. Carlos Correa at shortstop has been really good since he's gotten healthy. Byron Buxton is great. This team's a lot of fun. They're just not talked about near enough. They're one team. another. And I actually consider this team a louder team, using the words that you used. Um, But you didn't put them on the list. So I will add the Toronto Blue Jays. Just because they went on that tough skid and uh, shot down the standings a little bit, let's not forget how good they are. They've now rattled off a bunch of wins in a row. They won every game this past week. They're hitting well. They're pitching well. And I predicted them before the season to not only win the AL East, but to win the World Series. And I still do believe they are that talented of a team. And if I had to give you one more, it's the Brewers. Um, The Brewers rotation and bullpen is really good. And they are an under-the-radar really, really good baseball team. So thank you for that question.
2: A lot of good, quiet teams out there. Yeah. Next one. Yeah, there are. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you giving the ball to in a Game 7, Cole or Nestor?
1: Woo! Garrett Cole or Nestor Cortez in a Game 7? Um, If I'm going the biggest stage in baseball, um, let me say this. Nestor Cortez is one of the best stories in baseball over the course of the last two years, really. It has been remarkable what he has done as a low draft pick, as a draft round that doesn't even really, that doesn't exist anymore to get to the major leagues and be one of the best pitchers in baseball as he has been. That is great. I am going to take Garrett Cole. The track record is longer. He has been there. He throws a hundred. He has wipeout stuff. When it comes to playoff baseball, stuff wins. Obviously, Nestor Cortez has good stuff, or he wouldn't be getting guys out as much. Garrett Cole is the guy I want on the mound in that situation. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take Nestor for that reason. It's just this one is easy for me. I'm not going to overthink it. Garrett Cole.
2: Yeah, Garrett Cole's been there, done that all right next one up do the Mets stay in first place for the rest of the season
1: Ooh, good question yes my answer is yes they do um I wouldn't have predicted this a month ago to start the year none of it but they're really good this team is incapable of going in the opposite direction and what I mean by that is Of course, they can go on stretches that they play 500 ball, but I don't think they're capable of going on stretches where they're going to lose eight, ten games in a row. I just don't. The Braves are the team that is the most concerning to answering this yes. I think they do have the ability to turn it on and go, but there is a massive deficit now in that NL East. I believe that the Mets are one of the best teams in baseball and that they will not let up this lead or the division title this year.
2: Alright, last but not least. This is kind of like a bonus trivia question and honestly one of the big reasons okay. why I love Twitter so much. Do you think the 1934 AL MVP vote was a robbery?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm glad you, you meant to. <laughs> uh, 1934... MLB MVP all right, it was Mickey Cochran I'm gonna say that was that was not a robbery Mickey Cochran absolutely deserved that you kidding me give me the correct buzzer, please please No (laughs) Alright, thank you for these questions. That was a good one. Um, also just a a bonus trivia and i'm glad you added that in because we all know how good i am with trivia i haven't gotten below a b minus yet in three weeks of trivia which is pretty impressive pretty good it is impressive thank you for your acknowledgement um good luck producer conrad with your pick to click this week we will reconvene on that next thursday this has been a blast of an episode thank you all for listening make sure you check out all the good baseball this weekend there is a ton of it I will be back on Saturday. We have a fun conversation with John Smoltz and then back to the normal schedule on Monday next week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow. Anywhere you're listening to your podcast, rated five stars as well. If you can, leave us a review. That would really help. Follow along on all social media as well. Flippin' Bats Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We have a TikTok that is off and rolling. A lot of fun content there. And if you want to watch the video of every episode, do it on YouTube. Flippin' Bats Pod there as well. Thank you all for listening. This has been an absolute blast, and I will see you all soon. Peace out, my friends.